Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome everyone, I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media with the latest installment of the Housing Wire Daily Podcast, where our editors and reporters discuss the most compelling stories and sources they're covering. Today, my guest is Brenna Nath, Managing Editor of our HW Plus Premium Content Program, to talk about the latest issue of Housing Wire Magazine, which was focused on what to expect in 2022 in different housing verticals. Brenna, welcome to Housing Wire Daily. It's always a pleasure to be here. Ah, so glad we are reunited on the podcast. We love doing podcasts together. So um, first, let's define your role a little bit or what, what HW Plus is, because our listeners may not be familiar with that. Can you give us a brief overview of what we mean when we say HW Plus? Yeah, that's a, a question I think we get asked a lot that is always growing. HW Plus has a lot of parts to it, which we want to be in-depth resources for our members or our active superfan audience. That way they get kind of the news and the research and the data or even the inside sources that they need in order to be competitive. Um, Time is a little bit of a blur right now. So I'm pretty sure we're at about two years possible two years into HW plus last two years have been a blur for a lot of us, I know. But within that time, HW plus really at its core, what a lot of people expect is the long form articles that have a lot more sources than it maybe just a um, quick turn on what the news is going on, or maybe a quick, uh, you know, existing home sales report, but instead taking it a, le- a step further and saying, okay, what does the industry say about this report? We also have exclusive data and insights. Um, our sister company, Real Trends, issues uh, regular in-depth research on what people in the industry, some of the stakeholders see when it comes to salary, see what it comes to, how much it costs to run their operations, how much um, team members they need, what does their staff look like. And so it gives people uh, resources and equipment that they need in order to see how their competitors are doing. And it also includes events, uh, on-demand webinars, a Slack channel where if you want to engage with other people in the industry to see what's going on, just really think of it as a community that you can engage with other people to see what they're doing and learn from each other on what you need to take away from the news. Yeah, you know, um, you said two years ago, we've really rebuilt the newsroom in that time. Uh, we hired James Kleiman to be our managing editor of the newsroom and have brought on some really invested in some high-powered journalists to cover the space at a deeper level than maybe we had done before to give that kind of quality journalism at, you know, the longer form and and the deeper insights. Um, And you can see that in the HW Plus coverage that we do. And if you look on our site now, HW Plus is a lot of the, a, a lot of the stories that we're running because we are trying to do the news nowhere else, which isn't, just, you know, the write-up that you can find anywhere, but really in-depth. Part of the HW Plus coverage is the magazine, which we publish 10 times a year. So, uh, and you are a magazine editor. So you do a great job on that. And I would love to kind of do a deep dive into our latest issue, which is the December, January issue. It's one of our double issues. And you really focused on like a forward-looking 
story. So tell us a little bit about how you developed that. What came out of that? I'm actually going to take one step back real fast when it comes to HIV Plus, which the magazine is another thing. I can't believe I didn't even mention it when it comes to HIV Plus benefits and what comes with your membership. But I do want to add to, I think sometimes there's a little confusion when it comes like, okay, we know what everything comes with HIV Plus, but how do I get it? Or even like, what does that mean? Like I, anyone can read it. And it really is um, in, in simplest forms, a subscription-based pay for this extra content. So if you do want to sign up, feel free to go to housingwire.com, click join HW Plus in the corner, and you can join it annually. Um, And feel free to reach out if you want a discount code in order to join. But it is an exclusive type of content, which does then include this magazine and the content. So wanted to add that in real fast. But the magazine, my favorite part, I know you guys can't see it, but I'll show Sarah the top cover of it. It has a little, for those who can't remember... Uh, or have never owned one, the heart going back to when we designed this magazine is when we, we've done this twice for two years in a row. So going into 2021, we also did a forecast series where we asked everyone in the newsroom to take a beat, servicing, title, origination, and give us a forecast look at what to expect in 2021. As we all know, 2021 did bring some curveballs, especially with the pandemic, on top of what already happened in 2020. And so what I wanted to do when it came to the cover of 2022 was it almost felt like from my perspective, holding a magic eight ball and just kind of shaking it slowly, which is why we have it on the cover and saying, okay, magic eight ball, it's a toss up. What do you think the housing market is going to bring next year? And then getting the answer on the magic eight ball, like, hey, check back next year. Or like, hey, the forecast is a little cloudy. Feel free to ask again, Um, which at times can seem like what this housing industry has brought us. But unlike a magic eight ball, we actually wanted to give some clarity. So it isn't as much. And hopefully ask the sources, ask the industry experts so you can see what are they seeing for each individual market, because not every market's the same. You know, servicing is doing one thing, origination is doing another thing, title is doing another thing, especially when it comes to technology having a role in all of these segments. And that's what we wanted to conquer in this magazine. So it's beautiful. I, I love it. No, and I, I really feel like like all of the people who read our our articles and listen to these podcasts. You know, the, the biggest curveball is the still the coronavirus, right? It's COVID-19. And, you know, back when we were really thinking about this magazine, it was Delta was still there. And then Omicron just came in crazy. And so, um, but reading through it, it's still very, it, I feel like it. You, we got really timeless sources talking about things that are still very pertinent to 2022. Um, so let's dive into that. Let's So one of the uh, beats that is covered is origination specifically, like what does the origination look, market look like this year? So so maybe you can give us some of the information from that story about, um, we interviewed the Mortgage Bankers Association, Mike, Fred, and Tony, and Marina Walsh, they're economists there, and would love to know some of the things they're forecasting for 2022. Yeah, This next coming up year, now that we've done forecast pieces since I've been back at Housing Fire three years, one of the common themes that we've said each year as we try to figure out the rates is, oh, we're shifting to a purchase-driven market. We're shifting to a purchase-driven market. Well, 2022, 
I think we can all say a lot of the, the feedback that we're getting from the industry is we're heading into a purchase-driven market. And okay, maybe you've already heard this, but what does that mean when we say we're going to a purchase-driven market? Well, that's what breaks down into a lot of the coverage that we have from there. So if we're shifting to a purchase-driven market, what should you be focused in? Purchase includes non-QM. Purchase includes, um, we also heard people talking about the rise of maybe it's you know home equity lines. Of people have built so much value in their home. So we're shifting to purchase, but that is still a pretty broad market. I can go ahead and kind of read some of these quotes in here that talk about what goes into 2022. So you have quotes like from Tom Wind, who is the EVP of consumer lending at US Home Bank. He talks about how lenders are going to have to manage expenses, improve customer service in the purchase market. Um, and talking about one of the ways that lenders manage expenses historically been by laying off processors and LOs. And that's something I know we're going to dive into a little bit more later, but it's something that I think a lot of lenders and anyone who really has looked at the refi business specifically in 2021 and said, okay, we just did a huge ramp up in hiring. What does this mean as we move forward? And uh, going back to the magazine back in September, I wrote another piece that really did a deep dive into the future of the mortgage workforce movement, which really was a foreshadowing into 2022 that all these people had to hire a huge amount of operational staff. We had articles coming out last year that talked about LO comp a lot that also talked about, okay, um, if we're paying them this much, uh, how do we balance the money here? Or at what point are you paying kind of LO comp? Not that that's always been a common word that we're talking about. That really was though a focus of last year and how high the underwriter pay has gotten and how high some of the salary and cost this industry has grown because of such a huge volume. But now we're going into 2022 two, we have all this staff. How are we going to you know, transition them? How are we going to move the workforce around? And what does that look like? Maybe it's not necessarily layoffs. Maybe it's them moving like, okay, we already know that you know how to do this XYZ thing in the industry and you're already training in the system. We're going to instead, you're already, a lot more lenders have in-house servicers and servicing within their branches. I mean, we're going to train them to know how to do servicing in-house, or maybe we're going to train them to specialize in this type of LO thing. But that was one of the conversations um, with Agility 360. Raj over there was talking about, well, maybe it's not just layoffs, though that is a common thing we're seeing in the news right now, that another option is transitioning the workforce into other roles. I think it's really interesting because so many of the people that they brought on to handle that refi wave that lasted ended up lasting like 18 months, um, maybe were not, you know, they could you could take someone off the street and get them in, you know, a, as an underwriter for um, a refi much quicker than you can do some of these now actual purchase loans. And especially as non-QM rev, revs up, those are maybe not the same people, but maybe they are. Maybe some of the people you hired you know, now that they have that basis can be trained yeah. further. But I, I do think it's interesting that in that article in the in the magazine, both Marina and Mike talk about the fact that typically that's what's happened. And and Marina especially says that, you know, years with weaker origination volume, the LO turnover rate was 44% in 2014 and 37% in 2018. So we do see that like that there's going to be, you know, I mean, that's traditionally how it goes. We know this is, you know, a cyclical market, you know, and then you think about in, in 2020, LO turnover was the lowest in the survey's history at 21%. And what that means is you have a lot of, a lot of people there that you didn't 
typically have. So you're maybe overstaffed. Um, it, it is going to be interesting. We wrote a um, story in Dece- December 21st in 2021 uh, about the fact that anxiety grips LOs as layoffs sweep the industry because we had layoffs from Better.com, uh, Interfirst Mortgage, and Freedom Mortgage all announced layoffs in the past couple weeks of uh, the last weeks of 2021. So it will be interesting going forward. But I like your optimism on you know, maybe what does this look like? And just in general, you know, we know that the uh, mortgage origination shops are going to have to be more efficient, right? You've got tight margins, you've got stiff competition. Where do you find those efficiencies? Yep. Not to bring too much levity to the fact that layoffs are very difficult. We're seeing that in our coverage, especially with the news, um, looking specifically at better.com that came out over the last month. But one thing that for anyone who's been in this industry long enough is we are a cyclical industry. This isn't the first time we've written about layoffs after a refi boom. I remember joining back almost a decade ago, Sarah and I at Housing Wire. Um, How is that possible? <laughs> it's been it's been a minute. We're about to hit an anniversary, a 10-year anniversary in the industry. But in that 10 years, anyone who's been in this business long enough, and I know there's plenty of people who go back further than us, um, we've had refi ways. We've had this boom. And I, re- I remember in the past looking at, you know, from the journalist standpoint, looking at um, going online to look at the um, the notices that you have to file in order to lay off a group of people and having to constantly mine that database to see what is going on in the industry and then having to watch the industry move and shift then. But one big factor that seems to be present this time in the cycle that maybe we weren't talking about as much before is the role of technology in everything that you just mentioned, that how technology in all forms and parts and segments of the industry has really transformed um, efficiency and really transformed um, the workload and who's needed. And so tech adoption has been more prevalent than ever before. So just as I mentioned that as we shift to this purchase-driven market, the conversation isn't just on how can we shift these people? But the conversation is also like, okay, we can't rest on our laurels when it comes to technology and going to conferences over the last year, going all the way down to like the broker level shops, um, the wholesale broker shops, even they were kind of starting to look at, okay, we need to adopt this technology. What, what, what do we need to do to kind of move forward in this tech world? And I think that's such an important piece. We're always looking at the technology because that is where, you know, the last 10 years, if anything is defined it, it's that. Um, you mentioned servicing. And, you know, let's talk about that a little bit because we do see that that is one of the areas that, you know, origination shops are are going to get into or, or have decided to keep their servicing so that, you know, as an income stream. So we we do have a feature on servicing in, in this issue. And one of the things we want to talk about is like the challenges of servicing right now probably bigger than any time since the the great financial crisis, just because you have that wave of people coming off forbearance. So talk a little bit about that article. This one topic in particular, servicing, exiting forbearance is one that I've probably been pretty focused on for a couple of years now, even before the pandemic, because the servicing industry has really been making an effort, especially 
been under the watchful eyes of the government, the CFPB, when it comes to not only the customer experience, but also going back to that word technology, what does technology do and how can technology transform the consumer and the customer journey as they go through the servicing process? And so leading up to the pandemic, servicers were already working to adopt that technology, working to find ways to to reach the borrower, improve the journey, define that customer experience. But then the pandemic hit and a whole bunch of uh, loans went into forbearance, which those numbers are something we've been tracking closely. And now we're finally getting to a point where all of these loans are coming out of forbearance. So at Housing Wire Annual in October, we had some of the you know top experts in the industry. If anyone's listened to Courtney Thompson before, she used to be on our clubhouse. Is really passionate person when it comes to okay, what is the government's role in this? We also had Kartik. He's in charge of global head of mortgage practice at TCS, and then Uday, who's also the CTO as agent, and then also Michael Keaton, who's at, um, the chief servicing officer at Shell Point Mortgage Servicing. And these four people, what I thought was so fascinating, which I think rings through also the coverage of the service servicing article in the magazine is they're really for coming together. And it was like you were sitting in the living room with them as they tried to brainstorm what does the future look like. It's a very present conversation with a lot of people right now, and it's very top of mind. Um, And so with them, it was like, okay, what does the end of forbearance look like? What does this mean for people? And something that Courtney said at that time that really stuck out to me is, um, a lot of people maybe outside of the industry or even in the industry during this pandemic always kind of sometime, maybe in the words of Logan, the forbearance crash bros really say, okay, there's going to be this giant forbearance crisis when everything comes out. But one thing that Courtney pointed out, it's not really the crisis in the forbearance, but where we're going to see a trouble spot, a trouble issue is just how the loss mitigation process or even taking people through. We have non-judicial and judicial states right now when it comes to foreclosures and how are those processes going to look right now when they haven't been in the office or they haven't been next to each other in a room pushing papers? Are they all going to come back to a room and move this across? And so looking very pointedly at what does the foreclosure process look like and are they ready to handle this? And really just shifting that mindset of, okay, are we ready to exit for parents? All these services are doing an immense amount of work, but also looking in that circle and saying, where does technology still need to um, look or look deeper or where are some of the trouble spots in there? And that's something that Courtney Thompson has really been focused on and talks about. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. You know, to, to Logan's point that he always says, it's not like, you know, we're going to have a housing crash, but if you're in servicing, it is a wave of people at the same time coming off of those, you know, foreclosure moratoriums, uh, the forbearance programs, they, they're all coming off at the same time. So now we're, we're, and I feel like we have to give servicers credit, right? I mean, you and I joined when servicers were still really in the spotlight and really in the, the crosshairs. Um, of the you know regulatory bodies because of what had happened in the financial crisis this time around. Number one, housing did not cause anything, uh, any part of this uh, forbearance crisis, and and number two, they've really worked through. So so we went from over four million people on forbearance at probably the highest point to now we're under a million. Uh, I think it's around eight hundred thousand as of right now, and you just think that that's a tremendous amount of work already in that short amount of time. But now we have all of those people to move through, and you know, part of that, some of the great things about that is as housing prices have escalated, if people needed to sell, they could sell. 
um, as opposed to going into uh, foreclosure. But at the same time, those same people, you, you don't want them to have to sell and then they're in an environment where it's really hard to buy. I mean, sellers are buyers, hopefully, yeah. right? And so you just think about all the work that's gone into that loss mitigation um, you know, with all the borrowers. And many of those people are not where they were when the pandemic started. So and getting in communication with them and, and all of the work that goes into that, it's really been amazing to see. You know, one of the one of the things that this article in the magazine points out is just that, yes, they've done a great job. They're still in the crosshairs of regulators. And this year, wow, what a huge story that's been. Just the, it's not just your regular players. It's not just the CFPB. The OCC wants to talk to servicers. The, you know, everybody is looking at how these borrowers are being handled. And it's a tremendous amount of pressure. I do also want to highlight a small teaser, if you will, that magazine feature that's going out in February. Our February issue always focuses on servicing specifically. This year, that topic definitely is top of mind. And it's also in conjunction with the MBA servicing conference for people who are attending there. But the main feature right now, just to give a small highlight of what it's about, it's by our reporter, Flavia Nunes. Um, and she kind of talks about in general, without giving, like I said, too many spoilers, about this idea of being ghosted. So it goes in depth interviewing services and all their effort in this idea of like, okay, you have all of this information. You have their email addresses, you have their phone numbers, you know where they live, and you're still having a hard time reaching out to them and getting in touch with them on their loan or on their mortgage that's in forbearance and deep diving into what does that mean exactly if the borrower is ghosting you. And at the same time, we also published an article back in December that was kind of digging into how the CFPB lets mortgage servicers collect on social media, but will they? And kind of digging into like, okay, both of these things uh, tackle this idea of like reaching somehow the borrower, how can we communicate to them? How can we get to them in this new world where, and for those of you who don't really know the word ghosted, it's, it really is what it sounds like. It's trying every single thing that you can. And all of a sudden they're just like dropping off the grid. It's commonly used in dating as well as whereas you're talking, 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 and all of a sudden they're gone and they're just ghosting you. And so what does that mean for servicers? Well, and what does that mean? You know, what, how, what are the efforts that the regulators are going to look at and say, this was a great faith effort. This was a good faith effort. This is, you know, we, we tried all this. And, and one of the things was when the pandemic first hit, you know, the regulators said, hey, we're, we're, we understand how difficult it is when you guys are remote and all these people have moved. And so we're going to give you grace on sort of like, you know, we're going to take a, a light hand and, and really understand that these were incredible circumstances. Well, as things have shifted out of that, and now as we have an entirely different regulatory focus, really, with the new administration, you wonder how much of that is going to translate now. And you know how much should translate, because because we have been doing this for a couple of years now, but still, um, that whole part of the borrowers have always had the upper hand in the sense of like, if they don't want to talk to you, um, there's only so much you can do, but now, you know, even more so, I feel like there's, there's more pressure about that. So it'll be really interesting to see what are, what are the good faith efforts they're going to look at and what are the things that they're going to say, frankly, they feel like servicers should have done better. And we don't really know that right now. And the conversation is always being updated. I know I just mentioned Flavia Nunes, who's one of our reporters. I would also recommend following Georgia Cromwell. She's our senior mortgage reporter. She is constantly in talks with gov- the government and with regulators 
and uh, you know the CFPB, Rohit Chopra is now in charge over there. And to Sarah's point, like okay, we have this new administration. We have a lot of regulators who you know. Um, Jenny May's president was just sworn in this week. A lot of changes have been happening when it comes to government regulation. So staying on top of Judge Carmore's coverage would really be something that kind of helps you know the latest on it. So looking forward, love to uh, tease something that we're going to do in February, which is really interesting, which is we're going to have a, gather economists for like an economic summit in a virtual event. So uh, maybe you can tell us about that. I'm super excited about this event that we have coming up. It's almost a month away. It's going to be on February 8th at 1 Central, so 2 Eastern time. It's exclusively available to our HU Plus members. So going back to the beginning of this podcast, if you want to sign up, feel free to register. Like I said, feel free to reach out if you want a discount code to the event. But we're bringing together first Sarah Wheeler, who is on this podcast. She's going to be our moderator for the event. Then we're also going to have our lead analyst, Logan Motoshami. He'll be there as well to unpack his forecast. And then we're bringing Salma Hep, who is the Deputy Chief Economist at CoreLogic. Marina Walsh, who's the VP of Industry Analysis, Research, and Economics at the NBA, who we also referenced during this conversation. And then Jeff Tucker, who is Senior Economist at Zillow. And for anyone who was paying attention to this Economist series that we did last year, Jeff Tucker was featured in that as well, along with a couple other of these economists. And he hosted a Q&A in our Slack channel, which got tons of engagement. So all four of these people are people that you really want to, not only are they going to talk about home prices, maybe on mortgage rates, but for example, Marina can go into like, okay, what does this mean for you and your business? What does this mean for an originator and a lender? And so they're not all four going to be talking about the same thing. They're going to give their own unique angle and perspective that they bring into the entire housing ecosystem. So I'd highly recommend we're going to frame it as a roundtable discussion. There are plenty of questions going around right now when it comes to 2022. And this is your place and your chance to bring your questions and ask them during that roundtable discussion. Okay, what do you expect when it comes to this? What do you see happening here? And so just as a recap, February 8th, it's, we're calling it the HW Plus virtual 2022 forecast event. And also... Like I said, since it's a month away, we're going to have about a month's worth of data already on what's happening in 2022. So Logan and our other economists are able to speak to you, okay, what have we seen so far? So just because you've read all of the forecasts leading up to this event, there's going to be even more to unpack because as we all know, the ecosystem's constantly changing. I really love that, especially because Omicron just threw a wrench in everything. I feel like a month from now, we're, it's actually going to be more timely than if we did it right now. So we're, we picked that time in February very strategically, and we hope that it, it is perfect for our listeners who really need to know what, what should I expect in these different areas for my business. So, Brenda, thank you so much for um, talking about what's in the December-January magazine and then the forward look to February and some of the things we're doing there. You said a couple of times, hey, reach out if you're interested in HW+. How do people reach out? Yeah, feel free to shoot me an email. My email is, in, is bnath, so B-N-A-T-H at housingwire.com. Always open to feedback, thoughts along with any help that you may, or giving any help that you may need when it comes to HW+. So open inbox over here. You know what? Thank you so much for being on today. I know you're not feeling well. You're a champ getting on here and doing this with me. Really appreciate it. And um, I will uh, talk to you later. And all of our listeners, I will see you tomorrow for the next episode of Housing Wire Daily. Looking for more insight into what will happen in 2022? 
Or maybe you need more information on what in the world is happening with the federal regulators. Or you could just be looking for information on how to stay competitive as the industry shifts to a purchase-focused market. Our HW Plus Premium Membership comes with all of this insight and more. With your HW Plus Membership, you'll get at least five HW Plus articles a week that dive deeper into the daily news to help you confidently make business decisions. To join, go to housingwarrant.com forward slash membership. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. I hope you have a great afternoon. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on all the hottest stories crossing our news desk daily. The podcast is now available wherever you like to listen. Make sure to tune in tomorrow.